Or if you go to Hobby Lobby right now, it's like a, an explosion of orange. Like pumpkins and fall leaves. Orange is, orange is better than red and green. I agree, but I'm more of like Christmas. My, my Christmas, I do the more of the gold. Gold, mm. burgundy and gold than I do like. Wasn't that a song on, uh, was the old Frosty? Huh? Uh, no, it was Rudolph. No, Silver and Gold. Silver and Gold. Silver yeah, there it is. Gold. You're thinking of Neil Young. Neil Young definitely has an album and song called Silver and Gold. Yes, but that's not where it came from. There's actually a tie-in with Neil Young, Silver and Gold, with the point that I was thinking about in terms of integration, but I'm going to hold that. That's a little nugget that I'm going to throw oh. out there for you. I'm fired up. Let's go. What are we talking about? You're going to set us up, Tim. But then Kim told me that, Kim, you have a, a, a story. You have a story. We're talking about the difficulty of bringing organizations together culturally and the heavy communications lift that it requires to get groups of different people together, even if they seem like they aren't that different. So, you want to Okay. <laughs> so, well, I thought you said Kim had a story. And Kim, Shall I start with that? Start with the story, Kim. Kim, hey, oh, so Kim, do you have a story about <laughs> communications and cultural integration? Well, I have a story that's interesting in that it's 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 historical. It's like from 15 or 16 years ago. You, so this is not a new phenomenon of bringing organizations together can be difficult. So this was an organization I used to work with, and we were bringing together there was there were two hospitals aging hospital facilities two hospitals in this basically the same town maybe 6 miles apart owned and operated by the same one company right and so we were were bringing those two hospitals together into a brand new beautiful facility and it was wonderful it was uh, state of the art it was beautiful it was shiny and these other other hospitals had been needing to be upgraded for quite some time and so we just thought we're going to bring them in this nice new building. And because they're so grateful for that, <laughs> they're just going to, it's just going to be great. Well, it wasn't. We, it was a very difficult the, the first year at least, because what was interesting was like, we just expected them to say, oh, I'm so grateful for being in this brand new facility that everything's going to be just peachy and completely ignore that there were very different cultures at these two hospitals, even though they were just six miles apart. And so when we brought them together in this brand new facility, it did not go well for about a year. Well, we, this is how we did it there. No, that's not right. Cause we were, we had better quality here. And so like, we should do it this way. And there was no thought for how to bring these two organizations, two hospitals, the people from these two hospitals together in a way that worked completely ignored it. And so lesson learned, it took them a while uh, and, and it wasn't even, it didn't even, it wasn't on the radar that this was going to be a problem. Just figured they'd be so excited about coming together that everything would be great. And it, 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 it wasn't. So it's not a new phenomenon that when you bring organizations together, if you don't focus on that, it can be disastrous. And either you fail or it takes you a really long time to figure it out and put you way behind where you thought you might be for integration. So just, there's just a lesson learned in knowing that this is not just a, 2020 problem or 2022 problem it is a problem that has always existed that's my story and i'm sticking to it and we're interested because there's a lot of integration happening there's a lot of mergers happening a lot of partnerships happening right now because of all the financial stuff and so it's, it needs to be done there's not room to get behind we're talking about a lot of different things here and so what like 
Kim, what you're describing makes a ton of sense. Why there's a need and a real burning platform for cultural integration. Two hospitals, six miles apart, coming together. You do want to define sort of one culture, one experience, because you're working the same building, you're working across two buildings, whatever that is. So like those sorts of partnerships, I think there's a real imperative for getting the cultural integration planning right from the beginning. I think you hear that from all sorts of CEOs who have been through it, who've said, you know, I remember hearing um, years ago in Chicago, I hearing Karen Teitelbaum, who was the CEO at the time of Sinai Health System, saying that not focusing on the culture was the biggest mistake they made entering a partnership, was just taking that for granted. So I think there's a ton of imperative there. What I think is more challenging and where I might have a, what I may be offering is counterproductive to our business interests, but in these like large regional or national health systems, what is the reason for trying to define a culture or define a, a one consistent platform? Like if I'm Stuart Health and I've got, 150 hospitals across 50 states. Do you have that business? It sounds like a business plan you've got on the back. Yeah, of I'm somewhere. pitching you a business right now. I'm <laughs> pitching. I'm gonna. I'm gonna grab distressed hospitals across the country and mess with their licenses. No. So if you have a national or even a regional health system, you're, you're across a couple of different states. You've got a couple dozen hospitals. Why is a shared culture necessary, or even can it be pursued authentically? Because I'm not, I'm not sure that it can, and I'm not sure that it needs to. You know, if you think about the imperatives that drive the these larger regional national health systems, it's cost savings and being able to rationalize the sort of back end services. But if you're one hospital in Florida and your parent company also has a hospital in Iowa, like what are the things that are important? that you both feel about Stuart Health and why beyond the self-aggrandizement of our executives is that essential to the experience? Maybe we think about, I think with the work, culture has many layers. What is the culture of our hospital? What are we as a system? Who, how do we approach patient care as a system. What is our one mission that all drives us all forward? Doesn't mean you can't have subcultures. I think we have subcultures in some way in a firm our size, and we're 77 people, and we have little subcultures within our organization, within our firm, whether it's the sort of the practice teams or, you know, the growth team or the operations team have their little subcultures, but we do have one Girard culture. So I think you can have little tentacles or little ways of doing certain things and still be a very high-functioning, well-run organization. You're absolutely right, but you think about the work that we're doing internally right now in a firm of 70, 80 people, and we're defining like what are the things that Mm -hmm. are necessary. So that's the push I would give. I think that a lot of times our communications leaders, generally driven by their peers and executive leadership, are very focused on, we've got to define a Stuart Health experience. It's maybe, but what does that mean? Like you got to focus on three things and make sure that those things are happening everywhere or that they are like consistently an expression for your employees. But for the most part, we try to say two things. We try to say all healthcare is local. 
and it's so personal and it's about your experience in your hospital, whatever, but also you need to feel a tie or feel a consistent like McDonald's like experience mm-hmm. from Stuart health. And I, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think it does anything for the experience of healthcare. That's interesting because I think there are some larger entities out there, larger healthcare organizations that are trying to have a consistent brand and experience across their company. So, hey, if I walk in X facility in Florida and I walk in X facility in Iowa, it's going to feel similar. Is But who cares? I guess I wonder, is that, to your point, is that does that mean anything? Because how often, unless I am a snowbird and spend my winters in Florida and my summers in Michigan, why do I care? I just want to know what my local hospital feels like. So that is very interesting because I think a lot of large organizations are trying to make this happen, trying to have this consistent sort of, if I'm this to that system, point, but right? we make the bedrock principle something in patient yeah. experience that actually has value that like, right is tied to HCAP scores or something like that. We want to strive for consistency across the system. That makes sense. It's not McDonald's has the standard so that every hamburger tastes the same. When I'm out of town, I go, I'm going to go to McDonald's instead of Steve's burger joint because I know what McDonald's tastes like, but that's not how people experience healthcare. Yeah. That's because the restaurant thing is interesting because I think my in-laws and they are very much the, the, they will, they'll try local restaurants occasionally, but generally when they travel, they're about 70 and they know what they like and they'll do some Cracker Barrel, but, and that's it. And that's, they're the type of people that Cracker Barrel is built for because you know exactly like you walk in and you know that it looks the same. You know that when you walk straight to the back, it's going to be consistent with everything else about me, but I've never been in it. I'll tell you when you walk in, Tim, (laughs) the men's restroom, when you go into the little hallway, it's always on the left. Women is always on the right. You go back to the and then you check in at that little table, and then you pass all kinds of goodies and things you want to buy. Christmas stuff. Yes, Christmas um, stuff. Silver and now. gold. Yeah. But that's their thing. Is like they want to go. They would rather go somewhere where they know they can get a meal that they enjoy at a price that's basically the same everywhere, rather than risk something different at. But the that's not what mark. you're doing. You're not like doing. You're not traveling across the country checking out hospitals. Exactly. Well, I wonder so what this like, one's like. <laughs> So the idea is like, I, again, I would push people on as they think about this, what is the value of what we're trying to define as a culture that is more than a brand or mm-hmm. more than just a logo and some bullshit platitudes? If you can drive towards, again, a handful of things that you want to have consistency in that are ideally patient or employee experience focused, then that makes sense. But it's it's only a handful of tent poles. It's not more than that. And you need to give people room within their local hospital or their local system to be able to make it their own within those confines. So I think about it in terms of how do we build cultural guardrails that people can still make authentic to their local community within those parameters. Yes. I think that, I think that's a good point. I hadn't really, to be honest, thought about it this way, but what are the guardrails? What are the five things that make us us? And then let the, the rest fall out a little bit. I know before organizations decide to come together or decide to buy something over there, acquire something over there, the cultural assessment is part of that. And we even use it in our messaging is complementary missions 
or those sorts of things, which I think is important, by the way, because I think there's a very different culture depending on what your mission is. And so the missions have to somewhat match. If you're very overtly Christian and talk about it in all kinds of ways, if you pray before meetings, if you make that a part of your of how you do things, then that has to match the other person, the other organization. It has to. That that's big stuff. Or if you're if you're an investor owned, that has to be comfortable for both parties as you're coming together. Yes, but those are like the big culture things. That and I don't even know if it really fits under culture, but the mission stuff, like wh- why are we here and how do we go about doing what we do, I think really has to match. Or that's never gonna that's never gonna work. And so you think about Catholic entities. That, that there's a lot of tension there. I worked for a very overtly Christian hospital, my first hospital that I worked in, Statues of Jesus. And it wasn't not Catholic, by the way. And we were acquired by someone that didn't have that as part of their culture or mission. And the day they acquired our hospital, luckily I was gone at the time, they basically took the statues of Jesus out of the facility, like the day they acquired, called them out. <laughs> Just guys with yeah. Jesus under their Yeah, arms, exactly. Seriously, it was, it was horrible. Like I say, I'm glad I wasn't there at the time, yeah. but that doesn't match up clearly. So if you're taking the crosses down or whatever, I mean, that obviously I would hope that you think about that. That is a tentpole issue. Yeah, that is a tentpole issue. Absolutely. Um, and so you got to start there because that's never, I'm sorry, but that's just never going to match up. Yeah. So you got to be really like, careful about those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a Catholic health system, that's pretty easy as far as what are the unifying pieces. They're, yes. they're unifying both symbolic and also like operational and policy-based things that are consistent. But as far as the culture goes, I just, I think that you need to, you want to give people room to create an experience that is authentic. Nobody wants to feel on a day-to-day basis like they are part of some like big national faceless organization. What they want to feel is that they are working at their local hospital. And it's it's we, why it's why you see when people announce stuff on LinkedIn, they'll be like, I'm really excited to announce that I have joined the satellite overlay <laughs> team on the Google Maps division. The maps division of Google. Nobody says, I got a job at Google. It's, I am on the team. Right. And people don't say like, oh, I'm a nurse at big national Stewart Health. They're they're a nurse at the local hospital. So to whatever degree the big system or the regional system can be additive to that experience, that's great. We should definitely be informing employees about those areas where we're enabling the culture of their local hospital to grow. But I do feel like you just got to put up those tent poles. This is, oh, here's my, uh, here's my Neil Young tie-in. So the Neil Young silver and gold album re- reminded me of working at Borders. I worked at Borders. Yeah, Borders Books and ah. Music for several years from like the end of high school or the, my senior year of high school, off and on through college and then after college. I loved working at Borders. I, and part of what the, was great about I can about see Tim as the perfect like disinterested cashier at Borders. I know. I mean, I, I, I just, if you ever, I, you've never fit into a stereotype in, in the time I've known you, Tim, but that's it. One, so one of the things I would say about Borders, and this is not like, here's a lesson on why Borders crumble because of Amazon. I don't have some like sneak, <laughs> sneaky inside info on that. But I will say before Amazon, Um, when I started working at Borders, there was like a lot of autonomy for the employees as far as what music they played and staff selections and all of that sort of stuff. Like the stuff that you won't really think about that much if you're going to shop there, but is meaningful to the people who work there. And then over time, the, the corporate 
apparent, the big boarders, because they made licensing deals on staff picks or whatever, they would have a staff pick branded section that wasn't actually the staff picks. They prescribed what music you had to play. It was These were active dissatisfiers in the experience of the employees and also the experience of the store because people don't want to go to Borders to feel like they are at a Borders. They want to go to a bookstore mm. and have it feel a little bit like authentic to their area, even if it's some big corporate giant. We played a lot of Neil Young, Silver and Gold, so that album came out. Yeah, but then it was like, don't play Neil Young. I don't think I don't think they said don't play Neil Young anymore. But I mean, there were times where we would play death metal at eight thirty to shut down right. the store. And right. Just, I mean, so there, it's not perfect, but I do think that people benefit from the illusion that they are not part of some giant corporate machine and that they are have local autonomy over their place of work, the place they receive care, that sort of thing. I do think there's something, yeah, I totally agree. I agree with that. I agree with also something else in that if we, and we saw it during the sort of the height of the pandemic is that there were benefits, true benefits of being part of a large organization that had access to PE, that, right, that, that could help these smaller hospitals figure things out. Like, here's how we're, as an organization, there were very distinct benefits to being part of a large organization during that time. Absolutely. And be sure you talk about that and let people know right. why that's important, because there we definitely saw that. Yeah. And, I, and that's exactly right. I think the things that are real about being part of a big system should be communicated. But any attempt to define like one culture, we can't define one national culture in anything. Why would you think that you can do this in a hospital system or whatever? I, I think that it's, it's only going to end with fuzzy, gauzy, nothing platitudes Fluffy, yeah. that nobody sees themselves in. Yes. So the work, so the work then is to do a lot of whatever you want to call it, integration work. Like you have to work hard at it, but also in some ways do less. Well, I think, I, I think here's our advice. I believe is what are those tent poles? What are those things that hold up the organization? Like the five things, and it can't be 27 things. What are the things that make us us that we're going to stand and we're going to plant a flag with these five things. And then the rest of it, let it go. Maybe hopefully you and have, give your, hopefully you have strong CEOs, of, right? Strong CEOs, strong C-suites that can have, have local cultures, but let some things go. Let some things be local. I mean, if your hospital in Louisiana is not different from the one in Kansas, like there's something wrong with you. And I would say the work of the central communications team or in a big system or, mm. or even a decent sized regional system would be to help identify those 10 poles, help identify mm -hmm. those five, 10 things or whatever. And then also develop meaningful work that their local people on the ground in these hospitals can do to match those tent poles to the reality there. And so like, how do we uncover if our number one priority is our people or whatever, then what does that mean locally? Give our local teams the resources to uncover that, whether it's, you know, interviews with people across the facility, how do we make that our own? And how do we give our local teams the tools to excavate that for themselves? Very descriptive, dude. Thank you. <laughs> Words. He likes words. It's all that time at Borders. Burl Ives. Good Lord, it shouldn't have taken that long. Burl Ives. Burl Ives. Hey, Burl Ives. Oh. <laughs>
You're like, there's the payoff. Maybe that'll go on the sound pad. (laughs) Burl Ives. Good information to have about Burl Ives. 